Uh, hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. Woo! Today on episode 237, I was very lucky, honored to have Alicia Butner Pierre on the podcast. She is the founder and CEO of Equilibria uh, Inc. Uh, she is a consultant, speaker, author, podcaster in arms of over 190 uh, podcast episodes. We talked about many things today. We talked about how she got her business started, what made her like leave uh, New Orleans to come to the glorious city of Atlanta uh, to basically get to go on a new direction uh, for her life. Uh, the challenges she went through uh, applying to Coca-Cola and then some. Uh, um, we also talked about her podcast and how that basically affected her life and brought great changes. All in all, great lady to speak to. Enjoyed myself immensely. And yeah, please sit back and listen to the podcast. We talked about so many other things as well. It was a joy to have her on. Have a good one. Yeah. Peace. Ha-ha. Baby, go. Hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors. Wherever you are in the world, welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. Woo! Ah, today on episode 237, I have uh, Annika Butler Pierre on the podcast today. She is a author. Uh, she is a, well, she works at uh, Purdue, Purdue University. She is also a lean Six Sigma black belt, as well as many things. She is also a top 2% podcaster who has the recorded over 190 episodes, to be more precise. She's 197 live currently. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Well, what can I say? I do yeah. a little bit of research. I see. Oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> How are you today, my lady? I'm feeling very well. Thank you so much. What a very energetic and enthusiastic introduction. Thank you so much. Ah, the pleasure is all mine having you on today. Yeah, I have to say, my God, like if we had more people like you on this planet, I'll, I'll, I'll be happily in like Star Trek right now. Beaming here, beaming there, beaming friggin' everywhere. You just put people to shame. Like, no! <laughs> well, okay, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, yes, you like, you did, what was your degree in? Chemical engineering? So, yes, that's my, my first degree. Yeah. Yes, is in chemical engineering. Wait, you hear that, people? My first degree. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, no, please, continue. Yes. And my master's degree is in business administration, so an MBA. Uh, well, you see, an MBA. Mm. And then, yes, you went with like Lean Six Sigma as like, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, that's a throw, like throw in that sort of like, I need a cherry on top of my education. No, actually, you know, you know what the, the reason why I went and, and pursued that certification, mm. I was... I reached a point where I was consistently starting to be turned down for work. Really? And I couldn't understand why, especially when it came to doing contract work for bigger companies around process improvement and quality control. Mm. And Moyiwa, what happened is, you know, I kept getting 
submitting these proposals. They, they were getting rejected. And finally, someone was brave enough to tell me why. And they said, well, you know, we really want to see that Lean Six Sigma certification. And my argument was, wait a minute, I've been doing this work for so long. I think at, at that point, it was maybe at least 10 to 12 years. I said, I've been doing this for a very long time. I already do Lean Six Sigma work. And they said, yes, but, you know, sometimes you have to play the game. Uh-huh. And we need to see that sort of, we need to see the fact that you have that certification. And that's when I decided to go and pursue it. But it wasn't because I wanted to. I almost had no choice. If I wanted to still be able to eat and keep a roof over my head, um, <laughs> I needed to get that certification. Wow. Like, I'm surprised at that. Like a degree and like, yeah, an MBA. I know you would think, but no, that's, it's, it's very strange how the selection process that's used when, when people are recruiting to fill certain positions, it's like these check boxes and they don't take the time. They aren't doing like you and actually doing their research because they have so many people, so many candidates who are you know, applying for a job or submitting a proposal of some sort. Mm. And so when you think about it, Muyi, what these, these certifications, these degrees, if they're looking for a certain number of years of experience, those are really just shortcuts to help them quickly filter through maybe that thick stack of, of resumes or that thick stack of proposals that they might have to go through. Um, so it's, it's really just a matter of, of helping them being able to quickly filter out yeah. people that they wouldn't want to to talk to. But that is, yeah. like, in my opinion, that is silly uh, to, like, put, like, to put it in the most polite terms. Because, <laughs> like, okay, look, okay, you can, if I presented two people with the exact same qualifications, but... It's like, yeah, resume looks exactly the same, but they haven't actually sat down to sort of like go, right, what is like, what is this person's reputation, their brand uh, as an employee? Because they can look exactly the same. One person could be absolute garbage and the other person could be absolute gold. Uh, Yeah. And if they're just using, okay, just like, okay, you need to have this qualification as like a prerequisite, but you've done the work and you've like done the practical experience, but they're ignoring that over some I know. qualification and doesn't I know. Have experience. That's madness. I know, but it, it happens all the time. Mm. And, and I'm glad we're having this conversation because if any of your listeners have found themselves in that position, or maybe they themselves have to recruit to, to fill a certain position within their companies, always think about that. What's more valuable to you, the practical experience or the fact that someone can prove that they studied something enough to be able to take an exam, pass it, just to be able to say, oh, I have this degree or, oh, I have this certification. So, um, but I agree with you. It, it really boils down to, can you do the work? Can you actually perform? How many people, I'm sure you've met so many people over the years who, when you hear them speak, oh my goodness, they can sell you on anything. And and it sounds like they really know what they're talking about. There are some people that I've learned who are very good at picking up a book 
Yes. Reading the material and then being able to verbalize that. And you're listening to them and you're drawn in by what they're saying and the way they're able to say it. But then when you actually ask them to do the work, (laughs) they can't perform. And then you have some people who are excellent at what they do, but they have trouble expressing themselves. They have trouble communicating. They have trouble with verbal communication. So it, we, it's it's a tricky thing yeah. <laughs> because you have to figure out what skill set are you truly looking for. Are you looking for the person who can sell you on the dream, or do you want the person who can actually roll up their sleeves and make sure the work gets done? Yes, like yeah, I hear you. I hear you, and like you know what? Like yes, I know what I would go for. But like, you know what I mean? What other people might go for in this world is like a bit of a mystery. Because like, this is the thing. Like if, like, it, if you have your degree, you have your MBA, and, but you needed the Six Sigma to get those jobs. Like, is that sometime, like, what do you sometimes wonder if you just had your degree and you had the Six Sigma, would they put me forward for this work? Or do you need to have all three to be that sort of like, Oh, yes. The power has united and they opened the doorway. To, uh, like, yeah. Well, you know, what's what's interesting when I when I when I completed my first degree, I did work as an engineer. So I was working in different chemical plants and oil refineries. <laughs> and what happened, Malia, is. I realized very quickly that certain business decisions were being made. And I didn't understand why those decisions were being made. And it was affecting our daily production schedules. Mm. For example, my very first job was at a company called Monsanto. And if you've heard of Monsanto. Company of evil. (laughs) (laughs) Like, don't don't judge me, okay? Don't judge. I don't judge you. That's like I'm company of evil. Okay, yeah. I worked for Dr. Evil. I worked for Dr. Evil making poison. Um, Wow. (laughs) You seem like such a nice lady. I am a nice lady. (laughs) And, And you know what's so funny? I learned lately. I learned I learned more about them when I left the company than I did when I was actually there. Because you know when you're in these very large organizations you tend to to work in silos. Yes. You don't know what's going on in other parts of the company. But one thing that I did learn very quickly when I during my time at Monsanto, we would have these accountants who would come and speak to us at least once a month. Mm. And they would bring these these thick reports with them and they would talk to us about the financials. And they may as well have been speaking Greek, you know, (laughs) talking about assets and liabilities and accounts payable, accounts. What? What are you talking about? I don't understand any of this. So that combined with the fact that there were there was a, a specific period I remember this went on for about maybe five or six months mm-hmm. where our production schedules were so erratic. Imagine one day you're operating at full capacity, yeah. and then the very next day, excuse me, I apologize, got a little tongue tied there, Muyiwa, that they tell you. Um, you have to you have to now operate at 50% capacity. And then the day after that, 
They tell you to shut everything down. And then after that, you're, you're back at full capacity. What were the business decisions that were driving those day-to-day production schedules? I just thought it was a bunch of leaders being manic. I didn't have an understanding of what was going on in the marketplace in terms of supply and demand. Hmm. So that combined with my ignorance really of accounting principles led me to going back to school. And that's when I I entered business school. So I was working full-time during the day. I was pursuing my MBA at night. And I have to be honest with you, my business education was really the missing link. And by the time I completed my graduate studies, I decided to relocate to, I was living in New Orleans, Louisiana, for those who might be familiar with New Orleans in the States. I'm from Louisiana originally. And so I relocated very abruptly, very abruptly to Atlanta, Georgia, where I literally knew one person, but I saw it as this land of opportunity. And I thought, I'm going to quit my job here in New Orleans as an engineer. I'm going to relocate to this new city and I'm going to work at Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is headquartered here. And uh, that did not happen. (laughs) 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 And that is how, so I just want people who are listening right now to to know that sometimes we have these plans and and we, we take these actions, but you just never know what kind of curveball life is going to throw at you? Because when I first relocated here, I was applying for jobs every single day and not hearing in again, not hearing anything back, wondering what's wrong with me. I took it very personal because unfortunately, we don't always have the benefit of being able to understand why our applications may be rejected. And Muyiwa, that's when I decided you know what, after about two months of what seemed to be soulless, endless job searching, I could instead be using my time, effort, and energy toward building an opportunity for myself. Hmm. And that's how this company you see behind you, Equilibria, that's how Equilibria started. So that's how I was able to combine the skills I learned as an engineer with the business principles and create this new opportunity for myself. Mm, I see. Like, so basically you are playing the game of business chess with only seeing That's part, right. of the, part of the board, like just playing with just pawns and like going, okay. That's right. Absolutely. Came here and like this, and someone's done a queen's gambit on me. Not too sure what <laughs> on earth's going on. Uh, yeah. But like, like to go, yeah, I'm now going to, like, from New Orleans to Atlanta. I don't know what, going on in Atlanta but it seems like it's a it's a city which has been on the like come up for the last sort of 10 years or so like really sort of striving pushing forward with a lot of entrepreneurial spirit uh from what I've seen from the outside I could be wrong Mm -hmm. but you know what I mean uh if I was ever in Atlanta yes I I think I would be like yes most really trying to push it myself but to like go, okay, Coca-Cola is the company for me. Even though you're drinking Pepsi today, I won't rat you out. That's another story. <laughs> like, yeah. To like go, yeah, I'm applying, I'm applying, and it's not working. But to like go, okay, you know what? Let me make an opportunity for myself. Because not many people would do that. They'll like go, okay, 
life is handing me out the licks and I just need a job. Life is handing me out like, yeah, no sort of next run up. And it's like, I still can't find a job. Maybe I should quit. Maybe I should just go back. Let me just go back to like good old New Orleans and just, you know what I mean? Work in my petrochemical engineer, like company from Monsanto. Company of evil. Uh, no, I, I, I kid, Monsanto. I, you're not evil. You're, you're all good. You're all good. Don't come to my house, wherever you do. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so like, yeah, to really sort of like go into like starting a business yourself. What did, like, what was one of the sort of things you were kind of naive about before you started your business? Oh. And one like what got educated on in the first six months oh gosh that is that is a phenomenal question by the way thank you for asking that uh there oh my goodness there was so much there was so much that i did not know Mm. there was even more that i didn't know that i did not know (laughs) if that makes any sense yeah (laughs) um you know it's always interesting whenever you're starting a business because it it usually starts from a passion that you have. And we think we can build businesses around that passion and that that passion is what will see us through to the promised land. Well, you need a lot more than just passion. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, oh, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, you definitely have to have the passion, but you also have to have the vision and you have to have the ability to execute, to get things done. Here we go back again to making sure things get done. There's a book called The E-Myth. Are you familiar with that book? I'm not familiar with this book. Okay, it's called The E-Myth and the E stands for entrepreneur and it's by, um, the author's name is Michael Gerber. G-E-R-B-E-R. The myth is, hey, I'm very good at making baskets, at weaving baskets. And I either just got fired from my job as a basket weaver, or maybe I just got really tired of how they're treating me. They're disrespecting me. I'm going to go out and I'm going to start my own business weaving baskets. Mm. And all you've done, his argument is, All you've really done, more than likely, is you've just created another glorified job for yourself. You haven't created an actual business. So he argues that there's actually three types of people that are needed to have a successful business. There's the visionary, the the big picture thinker, the one who can think very strategically, the one who can play chess and win. (laughs) Then there's, there's the manager. The manager is the person who's all about policy and procedure and process and making sure all of the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. And then you have the technician. That's the person we were talking about toward the beginning of this interview. That's the person who can get stuff done. That's the person who has the technical skills to actually weave the baskets. So his argument is the the E-myth, the entrepreneurial myth, is that most tech, most people who start businesses are really technicians mm-hmm. and they are never able to, to grow and eventually scale those businesses 
because they are stuck in technician mode. They don't have the vision and the strategic thinking that's required of a true CEO. And they may not have those managerial skills that's needed to make sure that you can keep, you stay in legal compliance with all of the the regulators and other things that you might have to adhere to from an industry compliance perspective. So getting back to your original question, that that was one of the books that I read that really got me to thinking about, hmm, he's right. You know, I, I think all I've done when I started Equilibria is I've created, I've created a glorified job for myself. The other thing that I did not have an appreciation for, my company actually started as a professional organizing company. Yes, <laughs> Equilibria was a professional organizing company. Okay. So if you can... If you can imagine, because that was what my passion was. Right. I, I was reading a lot of books, and, and I think this is important for me to mention also. What ultimately helped push me in the direction of starting my business, aside from the endless stream of rejections from these, these job applications, but additionally, it seemed as though everything I read, whether it was a book, a magazine, a newspaper article, in addition to documentaries that I may have watched, things that I may have heard while listening to a video or whatever whatever the medium was, there seemed to be this recurring theme of the fact that we are all blessed with natural skills, talents, and abilities. Mm -hmm. And through our process of education, we've actually been miseducated into thinking that we have to utilize those skills that we learn as we are matriculating through our educational systems in whatever country you're in so that you can go and get a job working for someone else. So you're literally told to oftentimes suppress what comes to you very naturally in support or in favor of the skills that might be needed to land a job working for someone else. Well, what if you took those natural skills, talents, and abilities, combined it with your edu- your formal education to create your own opportunity, to create businesses that can thrive in your local community where you can eventually hopefully employ people in your local community. And then it just kind of has this ripple effect. We're not taught to do that. We're taught, to, we're taught and we're trained to go and work for other people. Mm. And when I, when I really understood that, so I'll tell you the two books that, that really changed my perspective on that. And, and again, really helped push me towards starting the business. The first is The Miseducation of the Negro by Carter G. Woodson, American author. Yeah. Very famous book. And um, the second book was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I've heard of that book, yes. Yes. That is a must read, in my opinion. <laughs> I read it at least once a year. Uh, yes. So he wrote that book, I believe, back in the 1930s. He was commissioned by Andrew Carnegie, to, uh, who was a steel tycoon here in America, I think is of Irish descent. And Carnegie Hall. Like yes. Robert Barron back in the day. Yes. yes. And so... Uh, he commissioned Napoleon Hill to do research on millionaires and what what skills and what traits do they possess that other people don't. 
And truthfully, it's not about your the, the amount of years that you've been formally educated. It's not always about being born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Mm. It's about tenacity. It's about perseverance. It's about passion. It's about leadership, communication, all of those things. And just this, this burning desire to succeed no matter what and, and, and not giving up. And I know that sounds so cliche, but it really is true. First six months, what I did not realize was what my business would eventually become, which is business infrastructure. Remember, I started Equilibria as a professional organizing company. And here's what happened. Although I thought I would be organizing people's closets, for example. Condo. Do you know what, in, you know what ended up happening? Well over 90% of the people that I worked with. Now, this was back in 2005. Mm. So remember, I left New Orleans. I left New Orleans in February of 2005. Six months later, Hurricane Katrina happened, which completely decimated New Orleans. So I got out in time. That's another message that I want to share with your listeners is the importance of listening to your intuition, listening to those gut feelings, those, those crazy ideas that just won't go away. Well, you've been given those crazy ideas for a reason. Mm. Act on it. And I'm so grateful that I did because otherwise, who knows what would have happened? Who knows what would have happened to me? Um, so I started Equilibria, it's a professional organizing company. Over 90% of the clients that I worked with in my first year in business, so this includes the six months, had home-based businesses. They were entrepreneurs. And it wasn't that they were chronically disorganized people. They certainly weren't hoarders, but they needed better systems and processes to keep things in order to keep everything pertaining to their business separate from everything else going on in their, their homes and in their personal lives. That's how I started to tap into my engineering background, my love for process and, and systems and my business acumen. I was able to take all of those things that I had learned, all of the experiences that I had up to that point and put it, combine all of that into this business. And I realized after speaking with a marketing consultant, she said, this is, this is more than just organizing. You're not just going in and physically making things look better. You are fundamentally transforming the way these businesses operate. Mm. This is business infrastructure that you're creating. And that is something, if you had asked me when I first started Equilibria, well, what is it going to look like six months from now? Oh, well, it'll be a professional organizing company and uh, we're going to be doing this and we're going to organize that. And we might even throw in some, some feng shui, you know, make it really spicy. Um, I could never have imagined that it would be what it is today. I know that was a very long answer, but... Uh... <laughs> but it's the answer what... Like, this is how you needed to answer the question. Like, this, like, the thing is, like, yes, you could have, like, stuck with just organizing, like, people's, like, places, like, homes and everything like this. And, yes, you may have had a, a rather nice Netflix special. Uh, like, yeah, 
trying to outdo like a certain uh, Japanese lady. I will not uh, it right now. Yes. Yeah, but like, <laughs> like this is the thing. I think that's one of the things I've many people miss out on the sort of key fundamentals of business because yes, you can be making that job for yourself, making that new rod for your back. Like going, ah, mm. I like baskets. Oh, I like photography. Ah, I like accountancy. Yeah. But the sort of big picture, like, yeah, the manager, all of these things, look, there are that there is trouble with lay in each of those sort of areas like yes the visionary big picture like oh yes great like you can which can lead you to people who tend to fake it till they like make it and like let's just say elizabeth holmes for example oh that's a good one i talk about oh i'm so glad you brought that up yes i'm sorry didn't mean to interrupt (laughs) yeah no but she is someone who was faking it to like Till she makes it but like this is the thing in the realm of software in the realm of like even consultancy you most probably could get away with some of that to a point until like yeah i've got bring on some expertise bring on those like managers and everything like this but because she was the visionary she led from the top and then when it came down to her managers she like basically yeah her and her like her bedfellow Sonny Balwani, like, yeah, like led with fear. Their managers didn't do their jobs properly. And Mm -hmm. then by the time you got to the people who truly executed things, they were terrified as well. So from the very top to the very bottom, it was bound to fall apart when you look at it from hindsight. And like furthermore, you kind of like, well, Anyone who like, I don't know, like, I don't know anything about medical stuff. I don't know anything about chemical engineering, but I I damn well know this. You can't just like, simply like, oh, I've been here for about nine months. I'm out. I'm gonna start a chemical company, a medical company. It makes no sense. But yeah, what is your sort of take on that? That that's my example. Oh, wrong. oh no, I love. Okay, I use her as a case study mm-hmm. whenever I give my my lectures or whenever I'm doing any form of public speaking. So I'm so grateful that you brought her up because she is a, a very she's such a classic example of that shiny object syndrome. Mm. People, remember how at the beginning of our conversation, we were saying there's some people who can speak really well and they can draw you in and they they know exactly what to say. They know how to present everything where everything looks beautiful and shiny and clean and new. And you're just, you're so caught up in the aesthetics that you aren't looking behind the curtain. Mm. You aren't looking underneath the hood behind the the curtain on the stage. Yeah. You just see what's right in front of you. Well, what's going on behind closed doors? So that's why in my book, I call it behind the facade. And the reason I call it that is because Elizabeth Holmes and people like her can tend to spend so much time on the sales and marketing and publicity and PR and promotions, Mm. social media, making themselves look good good enough to attract people like us, 
But what happens once we come through your front doors and we're ready to do business and you can't perform? Mm. So what happens when I go behind that facade? You've done all of the hard work to attract me and get my attention as a potential customer or as a potential investor. Now that I'm here, where are the goods? Yeah. Can you perform? Can you produce the results? I want to see, in Elizabeth uh, Holmes's case, I want to see how your machine works. Show me. And she had these very clever techniques for diverting people's attention away from the thing that really mattered. Mm. Does your technology work? <laughs> and it didn't. And, and as you pointed out, there were people in the operational side who were raising up their hands and saying, I, I just want to let you know, we're having problems with the machines. Mm. It's, it's producing faulty results. Can we, we need to do something. And to your point, they were met with fear tactics. They were intimidated. They were threatened. Mm. They had to sign these crazy non-disclosure agreements. One lady, I don't know if you, if you heard of this particular person's story, but she worked there decided to leave the company, she was followed. Yes. They actually hired a private investigator to follow and harass this woman. And she no longer even worked there anymore. So the the way she got away with it, and, and you and I could talk about this. I mean, we could spend hours, I'm sure, talking about this. But the point is, we can't get caught up in the shiny. We can't get caught up in just what we see. We have to also figure out, does this actually work? If it is a service that you're promoting, can you actually deliver that service exactly as you've promised it? If it's a tangible product, does this product do what you say it can do? Mm. With her, what makes her, her story most frightening, in my opinion, is that it dealt with healthcare, med the medical industry. Can you imagine going for blood testing and you're told that you have cancer or some other very serious disease? And it turns out because the machine doesn't work properly, you may not have had that disease at all. It was so serious. And the fact that more people weren't talking about it is really disheartening to me. But that is probably a most extreme case of what can happen. Yeah. When you focus too much on making things look good, you're on Instagram, <laughs> you, know, you have all of the pictures, right? Yeah. And people are like, oh, well, he was, oh, he's doing, oh my goodness, he's, he's in front of a Ferrari and now he's in front, of, look at his house and they're, they're caught up in what they can see. That's what marketing is all about is what do your customers see? operations and business infrastructure is about the unseen. What do I experience? Not what I see. What will I experience as a result of doing business with you? And one is, Oh, sorry. I was going to say, no, was, go ahead. I was going to say the execution of the fundamentals. Yes. yes, indeed. Indeed. My friend, it's all about the execution. So my argument in my book, for example, isn't that one is better than the other. We need marketing. Otherwise, people would never know about our products and services. But operations is just as important. Mm. And business infrastructure 
helps make sure that you can keep everything stitched together so that as your marketing campaigns really work and, and you have demand is growing for what you have to offer, your operations, your business infrastructure is going to make sure that you can sustain that fast growth. So. Yeah, no, because like this is a thing like, ah, like Elizabeth Holmes aside, like high profile, but then because there's been uh, since 2000, I'm gonna say since 2010, going up till present day, maybe not so much now, but there has, well, no, up until now, there has been a wash of cheap capital. So basically anyone with a fancy, like, you know what I mean, deck could like sort of like get something. And with what people always forget is the fundamentals of business. It's not sexy. It, it's not shiny. It, it's like basically, yeah, ah, yeah, I set up this account in process so it can do this. And basically, it, we, it gives us access to credit for this, 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 this. Yeah, like, uh, most people are like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's these are the sort of things when you've got the fundamentals down, it's, it turns it from a solo business to a small business, from a small business to a medium sized business, from a medium sized business to a big business and beyond. But no one likes to talk about the fundamentals. No. no one wants to do the fundamentals. And like, hey, if it was sports, it's like if you don't have your fundamentals down, you're never going to win. <laughs> you know? That's, that is so true. That is so true. And it is unfortunate. And to your point with sports, using sports as an analogy, if you want to become, I can see you have a Michael Jordan thing behind you is that Michael Jordan yes so if how can you become the Michael Jordan of your industry or of whatever your craft is whether it's sports or entertainment fashion food consulting whatever whatever your passion is if you want to be the Michael Jordan of whatever it is you're doing you have to put in the work you have to do the not so sexy stuff you have to practice And those are the things that people, again, people don't see it. They see where you are now with no appreciation for everything you do behind the scenes, all of the hard work you're putting in, all of the late nights, all of those times when you've stayed up wondering, how am I going to meet payroll? Oh my gosh, how am I going to pay my mortgage or whatever the case may be? They don't see that. They only see the pictures on Instagram without any appreciation for all of the hard work that you're putting in behind the scenes to make it happen. Yeah, no, like, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. No one respects the journey anymore. Uh, That's right. Because like, this is a thing. Like, so I, I, I often bounce around analogies, but forgive me, it's just the way. No, I love it. I love it. Yeah. For example, like one of like one of the greatest movies of all time, in my opinion, like say Star Wars, or if you could take Harry Potter, for example, mm-hmm. everyone goes, oh, my God, that movie is great. Ah, the journey like Luke went on to become a Jedi through all three movies. And like, yeah, I don't give a fuck about the other ones. The other movies <laughs> are fun. Oh, 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 oh. Like, 
Is that okay? Calm down, fanboy. Calm down, fan gal. Like, yo, chill. <laughs> but they look at that side. They look at the film as like, oh, yeah, that's the journey. But it's like, no, 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 no. Think about like, think about what it took for them to start filming. Think about what it took to like get the studio on board. Think about what it mm. took to get the actors to support it. Like, think about what it took. Like, well, I've, all I've got to say is the actors in Star Wars, whoever went, you know what? I'll take a share of that merchandising thing. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> they were right on, right on point there. But all of that was the journey to bring Star Wars to the screens where it's much beloved by many a person around the world. Same thing with Harry Potter. Like, look, mm-hmm. I know J.K. Rowling might not be everyone's cup of tea, but you know what? Her sitting in, like, in Scotland in a cafe, writing everything down by hand while having a baby sitting next to her, like, you know, you're like, oh, right. It took a very long time for that journey from writing it down in that cafe to basically, like, going from the books, the films, show like you know what i mean all the rides and like everything yes. else to today but everyone just sees ah ah see that's ah the film ah the book but yeah recognize the journey come on yeah absolutely and and i think what's so important to mention about her story mm-hmm. is the number of publishers that rejected the story yeah that rejected <laughs> the the harry potter characters uh, you know, so just think if she had given up. Mm. But remember how we were talking about persistence and tenacity and how when you've been given this idea, you have to see it through because it's been given to you for a reason, especially yep. if that idea just keeps coming back to you, no matter how often you may try to to walk away from it. It's like a boomerang. It keeps pulling you back and you have to do It's your it's almost your duty to do something about it. Mm. And I think oftentimes also, I I would be willing to bet money that this was part of her story, her journey is people telling her, are you, have you gone mad? Are you crazy? Why do you think, what makes you think you can do this? Or what makes you think there would be people who would be interested in reading this? Yeah. Um, It's so hard to turn to turn off the negativity. And, and there's also negativity going on within yourself as well. Oh yeah. And, and you know, you just have to just know that you will have those moments of self-doubt, but you have to keep pushing through. And I'll, I'll, if I may, I, I can offer some, some tips to your listeners. What I do whenever I'm having moments like that, where I'm just, just really down and might be having a bad day or I'm, I'm questioning myself, I'm doubting whether or not I should continue moving on. I read a lot of, I read biographies and autobiographies of other people. So like a JK Rowling or like a George Lucas, the man behind Star Wars. I love reading stories about other successful people because the one thing you will find that they all have in common is the struggle, Mm. the rejection. Not one of them had it easy, but they kept going. That is the one thing they almost all have in common. And 
when I read the stories of these other successful people, or if I watch a documentary about them, I, I love going onto YouTube and watching documentaries about all kinds of successful people across different industries all over the world. Um, it just, it gives me a sense of hope mm-hmm. and encouragement because even though I don't personally know these people, I'm still inspired by their stories and I'm motivated. And it serves as a reminder, well, if J.K. Rowling got through that, then surely I can get through this. Or, you know, this is just par for the course. This is part of the game, right? We're playing chess. This is, this is just, you know, what's, what's my next move going to be? Mm. Do, I get, do I remove myself completely out of the game? Or am I playing this game to win the game? Yeah. Now, uh, if talking about autobiographies, one autobiography, ah, uh, like I listen to, I do audio books, um, must be about a year and a bit ago, uh, Michelle Obama's autobiography. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And like, this is the thing, like one of the things what really sort of stood out to me in the autobiography, like, yeah, she is a fiercely educated lady with like a fierce, like a fierce reputation as a lawyer. And like, basically, you know what I mean? a can-do attitude and like yes her experience goes onto that sort of scary level where you're like oh my god there is not a lot of people which are better than you at what you do Mm -hmm. but one of the things what really sort of impressed me was she was always still open to like okay if someone pointed something out to her like probably that's why they went sit down watch this she would be open to learn and like I'll, mm. I'll readjust it. One of the things which when she was on the campaign trail, uh, basically for the first like run up for the presidential elections, like supporting Barack to get him in, she was on stage, she was doing all these talking points, but every time she went out on stage and spoke, they lost points. And it was like, going, yeah. And she was mm. like, going, yeah. I'm doing what you want me to do. I'm doing this, all right? And I went, yeah. They, they, sat, they sat her down. I went, look, watch this. And they turned down the sound. And it was like, right, everything about her sort of body language, like, you know, mm. they, what might have served her really well in the courtroom over, like, you know, lit, like, litigation. What, you know what I mean? Just like, yes, yeah. What would work there wasn't working with the crowd. And we went, look, there was like, yeah, because you're this way, it's actually like coming mm. across more aggressive, more like, and she was like, right. As soon as she got it, she switched some things, worked on some other things. And then it was like, yeah, every time she went out on stage, rather than losing points, she was gaining points. It's just like, yeah. So I, I, I love the whole fact that, yes, most people who are really successful have this mindset where they're always open to continuously learn, improve their skills, move themselves forward, which you don't find. And like this is like word to the wise to anyone who's like going, I'm not successful for X, Y, and Z. It might not be circumstance. It might be you being a little bit too close-minded to learn a lesson out there, you know? That, oh, that is, that was, everything you just said is so powerful and, and so true. It's, and 
you never know. You know how they that expression from the mouths of babes. I mean, you never know who you might learn something from. So just be open to it. I, I, I remember when my goddaughter was just eight years old, she, she took it upon herself to do a search on me online. Oh. And somehow, <laughs> oh, this is so funny. True story. She's 15 now. But, but yes, when she was eight years old, she called me and she said, I found you online. And I said, really? And she said, yes. I said, okay, well, what did you see? And she started telling me things and I, I realized she really had found me online and she oh. was doing she was doing her research. And to make a long story very short, she started critiquing my website. And this is what, I'll never forget this. She said, you need to write more and you need to include more pictures when you write. And now here's what's funny about that. The very next day, I happened to have a consultation with a marketing consultant. <laughs> Do you know, he said, Alicia, you need to write more and, and use more images when you're writing. I thought, oh, my goodness. <laughs> How and, much money could you have saved? <laughs> an eight-year-old eight told me the exact same thing. <laughs> so the point is, you know, to support what you just said continuous education. Mm. One of my, I, I'm, a, I'm a student of ancient civilizations oh, and no. my favorite, of course, being the ancient Egyptian civilization. And what I find, perhaps there's so many fascinating things about all of these ancient civilizations, but what has always resonated with me about the ancient Egyptians was in order to reach or attain a level of what was considered mastery of your craft, you had to have been at it for 40 years, Ooh. 40 years. Good God. Think about that. Right. <laughs> and here we are at 19 and 20 years old thinking, well, you know, yeah, I should have this and you should be paying me and the world should be bowing down to me. And, and yeah, no, 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 <laughs> you don't, you don't know it all. You haven't lived, you haven't lived long enough yet. You haven't had enough ex life experiences yet. Yeah. Try being whatever your craft is, try it for 40 years mm. and you will attain true mastery of your craft. Yeah, but you see, like, this is the thing, like, because we live in this, oh, so, like, how can I say, one, we live in a world which is wonderful, filled with wonders, great things, amazing things on a day-to-day -day basis. Look, I... I can watch films, videos, I can like download, I can store things, I can like communicate with yourself all the way across the world mm -hmm. in an instant, in real time, see you face to face, which would have cost tens of thousands of pounds decades ago. But in this whole world of that, patience is not one of the things which has survived <laughs> in this world like yeah if i don't get it in an instant look i'm guilty of it myself trust me if the internet sort of craps out and i like i get a slow wi-fi like connection mm, it's like I'm, mm, i looked upon this technology all in wonder and awe and it's like for love of god why is it not working <laughs> it's like <laughs> Well, you know, let's let's talk about that, Muyua, because think think about Zoom. We're on Zoom right now. It was so interesting to see how 
everybody's the masses of people became so excited during when the pandemic first started. Oh, Zoom, what's Zoom? This, this is this is so new and it's fascinating. Oh my goodness. And I'm thinking, I've been using Zoom since at least, I don't know, um, 2015, 2016. You are a real early adopter. It is yeah. not a new technology, but, but but my point is, look at where it is now compared to where it was. Mm. The internet, the internet started what? Maybe in the 70s, I believe, in its infancy. Yeah. And here we are. We're just getting to the point where you and I can, you know, we can live stream without min- with minimal interruptions. Mm. You know, we are across the pond from each other and and there are no no issues, no problems, no bandwidth concerns. But that didn't happen back in the 70s. It took it took all of these years of continuous improvement, mm. evolving and, and sticking to it, always having these new ideas, these new innovations. Every technology builds off of a previous technology. Indeed. Think about it. There's nothing that's truly new. It's just a, it's the next iteration of something else. Kind of like how we, you know, we had radio and then radio eventually led to TV. TV eventually led to streaming, stream, you know, the internet. It's, it's all one on one continuum when you think about it. Mm. Yeah, so continuum of evolution to that's right stage to the next stage. It's very like there's only I think there's only one thing which they did not actually take it any further, and I think that was Concord. It's I think it's the only piece of technology oh. which they ha- they ha- mm. haven't we've got rid of it, but there's no replacement for it. Mm. Uh, apart from that, yeah, it's a constant evolution uh, to the next right. stage, to the next stage. Ah. And when and to to to, I, I'd like to address something that you said about you know we do want things quick, instant gratification. Yeah. We absolutely do. But think about okay, you're in the UK. I've been. It's been a very long time since I've been, but I remember seeing these pubs and and Buckingham Palace and these museums and these buildings are old. And I don't know about how things are constructed now, but I know where I live here in the States, there's a very big difference between how a house is built today versus how it was built in the 1700s. There's no comparison quality wise. There's no comparison. The older construction is still here. There's something to be said for that. They didn't build things overnight. They took their time and it, it has withstood the test of time. You know, when I was in, when I was in Luxor in Egypt several years ago, you, you're looking at these statues and these temples and all of these artifacts that are thousands and thousands of years old. And it wasn't built usually in one person's lifetime, but they had a fundamental understanding that I may start this but I may not be the person to see it to completion, Mm. but the generation coming up behind me will see it to completion. We don't have that mindset anymore. And that's why we don't necessarily build things with the intention of it lasting. That's a big difference between modern civilizations and ancient civilizations, ancient civilizations built with the intention of it to last Mm. over several generations. (laughs) 
But now we're like, no, but let's let's get it up. Let's in fact, let's have a robot build this house. We don't need people. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's like this is the thing where it's a case of people think like, okay, like legends and legacy, but legacy more so. Like the like mm. I think when you ignore legacy or you don't invest in the realms of doing that, it's one of the things which I think makes the next generation not value the like the things what went before them and went before them and what begat them and what begat them. And when they mm-hmm. keep moving forward from it, if there isn't some type of legacy put in place to go, this is what we need to value. In it doesn't happen in the first generation. Doesn't mm-hmm. happen in the second, but you, you start to see things start to fray. The third generation, the fourth generation, who have truly forgotten because that lesson hasn't been passed down because mm-hmm. there is no legacy. That's when it starts to go wrong. And I think with a lot of things, there are people out there today what are trying to build something grand, to be to build something mighty, but they are not building something which I would say is a legacy like thing it's mm. like um i'm building a brand it's like yeah okay yeah what what does your brand stand for what is that sort of legacy thing it's gonna take going forward generation after generation after generation and it's like i, I want to build things for like this generation okay okay why like it, you can have a fuzzy why which is like yeah covers one thing you two things when, when a why starts to get down to, yeah, why are you doing this? It goes three levels down. It starts to get strong. If you can get it to go four levels down, mm, five levels or beyond, mm. that's something completely different to a fuzzy why. That is a why which is gravity, which pulls, which lasts. It's enduring. But legacy, I think, is one of those things which... People don't, I think it's not a case of they don't want to do it. I don't think they understand it, if you get what I mean. Mm. Yes. Yes. And do you think it's because so many of us are just in survival mode? We're just trying to get to the next day. Uh, it's partly survival mode. It's just partly because it's a case of, yeah, I've got to do this next thing. I've got to carry on this. And I would say, there is sometimes a lack of vision on a grander scale because it's mm. like, right, because you're dealing with the here and now, and I wouldn't expect everyone to think like this because if everyone's like, yes, I'm really focusing on that legacy moment. It's like, yeah, you start, you start something, you go through the process, you do the fundamentals, and then if you know these are the few, these are my reasons why I am doing this. This is the reasons why I get up in the morning. These are the reasons why I am focused to go through my day. These are the reasons why I bring these people together. These are the reasons why we move together as one. These are the reasons why we look to the next day and the day after and the day after that. That is when the legacy starts to form. That's when the legacy starts to come into place. It's Mm -hmm. 
starts as something intangible and then it becomes very real very quickly and then when those people who started it have gone and if they can like if they've passed down that legacy onto the next lot of people then you have something which is more of an institution look you teach in purdue right yes now that school has got a reputation within the United States as being one of the top tier schools. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's correct. When it first started, ah, uh, yeah, I'm gonna like some person, like some smo went, you know what? I'm gonna start a university. I'm gonna call it Purdue. Okay, great, whatever. But the reputation, bit by bit people come together and went, no, you know what? Yeah, you started this university, but I want it to be this seat of excellence. Like, not just for me, but the next generation. And like, you know mm-hmm. what? Other people came in and went, yeah, right. And like, you go, right. Go r- bit by bit, the legacy of that school built, the reputation continued and it moved forward. And it's like, I mean, it is what it is today. But legacies can also be forgotten. So it's like, you bring in people what protect that legacy, what basically amplify that going forward. You've got Purdue, you've got Yale, you've got Harvard, you've got Howard, you know what I mean? All of these places which do that, Wharton, like a number of schools over in the United States, over here, Oxford, Cambridge, mm-hmm. like, but you get what I mean. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, too, you, we have to be willing to let go of our ego, especially when we if we are the person who founded the organization, where it's, whether it's a university or a business or mm-hmm. a non for profit. In order to I, I, this is an expression I say all the time to my clients, in order to grow, you have to let go. Yeah, you have to stop holding on so tightly to it and allow other people to come in with their ideas and their innovation so that it can truly grow and blossom. And again, it's all about being able to create jobs and opportunities for other people. Um, And you can't do, there's only so much that we as individuals can accomplish by ourselves. Mm. But as we start to build our teams and something that you said earlier, this isn't for everyone. Not everyone has that, that grand vision. That's another opportunity where you may want to think about selling your business. Or if you do want to keep it as a, a lifestyle brand, then fine. Mm. But there are often people also, I'll just mention this story really quickly. There, there's a, there is a documentary that I watched. I believe it was on Netflix, but unfortunately, I don't remember the name of it. I think it was called Oh, gosh, terms and conditions may apply. It's about the it's about the tech industry. And I think that I think that's the name of it. But they interviewed the man who created PowerPoint. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know this. story. Okay, And uh, for those (laughs) listeners, for listeners uh, who aren't familiar with the story, I'll give you a very, very short version of it. But this man created PowerPoint because he, he realized whenever he was on an airplane, he saw all of these business people and they had these transparency slides. Remember how we used to have those transparency slides and the overhead projector and- Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So he would see see people preparing to give presentations and they were preparing these these transparency slides 
while they were on the airplane. And that's how he first came up with the idea for PowerPoint, eventually developed software. And at some point, Microsoft approached him. And he said in this documentary, he said, which I thought was so profound, he said, I knew that this had the opportunity to be so much bigger than I could ever grow it with it just being me and my, my very small company. Yeah. And I knew I didn't have the skill set to take it, to see it to, to, to the level that it could become. So he stepped aside and sold the rights of PowerPoint to Microsoft. Um, that takes a lot of courage. And it's not an easy thing to do because again, you've come up with something, it's your baby. Mm. And it's very tough to let go of your baby. But if you want to see your baby grow and blossom into a mature adult, sometimes you have to bring someone else in to take charge. Or sometimes you might have to just sell it or license it to other people because they can take it to levels that you can't on your own. Mm. So just wanted to mention that. No, no, like this is, no, no, it's a very, like, I like that story. Thank you very much for sharing that story. <laughs> Pleasure. But like, this is the thing. Self-awareness is like, I would say there are a few, uh, there are a few universal facts like which basically are so true. One, consistency. You do consistently good things. Good things generally will happen for you. Life will throw the curveball at you where bad things will happen, a bad thing will happen, but generally you go along that path. Also, if you do consistent bad things, bad things will generally happen to you. You'll get that curveball, which life will throw you a, like something good, but more times than not, yeah, that consistent action of yourself in the equation of life will determine where you might end up. But to, in order to guide consistency, you need to have that self-awareness of who you are. And like, it's one of those things, like when people are not self-aware of like what their sort of limitations are, how far they can go, what type of person they are under pressure. Mm. It is like, because like you go, I'm this person. Okay, how do you know you're that person? Have you been under pressure, like, you know what I mean? Like, not gun to your head, but, like, when the life seems to be all falling down around you. And, like, it's not Chicken Little where, like, saying the sky is falling. The sky is really falling. And, like, did you rise up and be that hero? Or did you, like, fold and break? And, like, this is the thing. If you can answer the question, like, yeah, you know what? Shit got real mm. in my life in that moment, I folded and broke. It's like, I'm, okay, what can you take from that moment? What is the lesson you can like, you know what I mean? What can make you better? It's got this, 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 great. But so many people out there are living in a realm of like comfort, like a mm. realm where they have not really pushed themselves. I'm not, I'm not, not telling people to like, yes, go out to the Sahara desert. Like, yeah, be out there like Jesus, like for 40 days and 40 nights. And like, yes, you will find yourself. But it's just like simple, like, okay, learn a new skill. Oh, I don't have time to do it. Okay, read a 
read a book. Like, ah, oh, okay. To see it feel push your mind, maybe make you a little bit uncomfortable so you can know yourself a little bit better. Because most people, I would say, they know, like, they know 30%, 40% of who they truly are. Like, people which, like, oh, I know, yeah, I, I know 80 90%. Someone who goes, I know 100% of who I am. Watch that person because they have done some dark <laughs> deed. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Dark <laughs> deed. <laughs> just like, um, uh, just like, um, just like, um, yeah. You watch the man die, didn't you? By my own hand. Okay, stay away from me. Are you, are you kidding me? Yes. <laughs> but you understand where I'm coming from. I, I definitely do. Yes. Yeah. So with me saying that, what would you say you have been doing, like, apart from starting your own business, like you helping other people, how have you been sort of like pushing yourself to get to know yourself better on a day-to-day basis? Oh, gosh. I'm doing many of the things you were just suggesting that is stepping outside of my comfort zone. Mm. So the fact that I'm on video right now, that I'm on camera, that is a huge deal for me because I hate being on camera. I hate having my picture taken, but I understand that if I want to promote myself and what I do, I have to, I have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. And, and it is, I, I really have to kind of, psych myself up every time I'm about to get on camera because I'm just, it makes me so uncomfortable, but it's something that I know that I have to do. Even podcasting, I do not like the sound of my voice and I get on and I've had my podcast now, it's coming up on four years and I, <laughs> I'm not the type of person that goes back and I list, actually listen to my own podcast. <laughs> Every now and then I might do it, but I I just don't like it because it again it's just something that makes me uncomfortable. Mm. But going back to consistency, something else that you mentioned, doing that, having a weekly show, as you know, having your podcast, it is a true commitment, and doing that consistently for four years. So that means consistently being uncomfortable mm -hmm. for four years. The latest thing that I've done to really try to stretch myself and I'm, I've learned more, more and more about myself on my podcast, which is the Business Infrastructure Podcast, I recently did an audio masterclass. It's 13 episodes. Mm -hmm. So there's some storytelling in there. And I have to tell you, Muyiwa, I have a newfound respect for people who actually have storytelling podcasts because it is so much more work than just interviewing someone. When you're interviewing someone, of course, you, you have to spend time researching that person. Of course, you have to prepare your questions. Obviously, that, that all takes time. But when you're telling a story and you want that story to be engaging, you have to write it a certain way. It has to have music. There were so many other elements. And I was thinking, how on earth am I going to do this? And I really pushed myself. And I surprised 
myself. Now, I must say, I won't be doing it again anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) Because that was a lot of work. Oh, my gosh. But I'll say this. You know how it's always good when you can do something, at, at least to be able to say that you've done it. And now that you've done it, if you ever have to do it again, you know exactly what to do and how to make it even better and and streamline it and and tweak it a little bit more. Yeah. So now that I've done it, I definitely would be much better prepared the next time I ever decide to do something like that. So that that's something very recent that I recently stretched myself on and I, I discovered, oh my gosh, I actually have a knack for figuring out where to add certain sound effects and where to add music. I I never considered myself to be a creative person. And my friend who did the the music, who created the original music for those particular episodes, he said, oh my goodness, you are creative. I can't believe you don't consider yourself to be creative. And I said, because I, you know, I've always admired people who can draw, who can paint, who can sculpt, you know, create these beautiful things with their hands. I don't have that skill. So in my mind, I wasn't a creative person. If you if you would have asked me, let's say three months ago, before I did these storytelling episodes, Alicia, do you consider yourself to be creative? Do you know yourself to be a creative person? I'd be like, nope, mm -mm, nope, not me. But now if you, if you ask me that question, I was like, you know, I, I do have some creative abilities. Um, I'm not an artist, but I, I was able to discover something about myself that I did not think was in me. Mm. Yeah, no, but this is the whole thing. You've got to, you do realize like doing over 190 uh, podcasts, that makes you a craftsperson. You do realize that because no, because look, okay, people like simply go look at podcasts and go, oh yeah, it, it's people having a conversation. It's like, yes, it is. But in order to keep people engaged, you've got to lead that conversation. You've got to be able to mm-hmm. have a bit of give and take. And like, sometimes you've got to give a lot more than you actually take to help, like, you know, I mean, spur that conversation on. And like, this is a the thing. There's a reason why there's a lot of people which have, do their podcasts, like they do five episodes and they quit. Five, like, mm-hmm. you know, because they don't actually realize there is a craft behind it. It's not right. just talking. Like you go, yeah, but you are talking. Yes, I am. We're talking. And yeah, you listen to any podcast. Yes, they are talking. But there's more what goes on behind it. If it was just like, ah, oh, you think about people out there, you think about how many conversations you have in a day and how many of those conversations have been weight like weighty or meaningful not a lot of them i can get (laughs) (laughs) but so you have you are a crafts person so you have that in you it's just a case Mm. you know what i mean yes on other mediums oh yeah Mm -hmm. come on now (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that boost of confidence (laughs) <laughs> that's why i'm here i'm here all day all week baby all week yes like i have to ask like you are like uh, 
with all your many monikers, you're an author as well. What made you decide to get into the realm of, ah, I'm an author, I write books. <laughs> what made you get into this? Honestly, it was my way of starting to share my knowledge with the world. Mm. It was the first step in me being very serious about scaling my own business. I wanted to practice what I was preaching. And the best way for me to do that, I thought, and I'm glad I did it, was to take my knowledge, put it in the form of a book. So it's, it's, there's stories in the book. It's not, a, it's not a boring business book. It's a true how-to book. Mm-hmm. And it, it started to change the way I did my business. And as I was writing the book back in 2018, that's when I started the podcast. Ah. I would, those two things combined literally changed everything. And I am not exaggerating when I say that, because now I had a tangible, physical good that could be shared with other people. People could go onto Amazon or wherever books are sold online and they could purchase something from me. Whereas before, if we wanted to work together, there might be a number of reasons why we may not work together. And then that person would completely miss out on the information. But now with a book, it, you have an actual book, there's an ebook version. One day, I hope to have the audiobook version. I'll let you know <laughs> whenever <laughs> that becomes available, since you like audiobooks. Hi. But, and then the podcast, the people that I've met, and I know you can attest to this as well, the people that you meet when you podcast, when you, especially if you interview people, oh my goodness, it has opened up so many doors that otherwise would never have been presented to me in the first place were it not for the podcast. So I I hope anyone who's watching us or who's listening to us right now, whatever, there's there's a book that I really love, another business book called The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. He's Canadian. Yes. Um, I love that book because he, the book talks about the fact that We do these little things over an extended period of time, and then one day it takes off. And to people who are just watching us from the outside, they're thinking, we must be an overnight success. Mm -hmm. But again, they don't know the journey, as we've been talking about. They don't know all of the little things that you've been doing over the years and it finally all builds up. And then one day you have a, you go viral and you have your moment. And I would say the book and the podcast basically started to serve as my company's, as the tipping point in my company. I had been doing all of these things. I had blogged. I was posting on social media. I wasn't doing it nearly as frequently as I should have been doing. I did some public speaking every now and then, but it wasn't consistent. Mm. I had my consulting clients that I was working with. But when I wrote that book and when I 
started producing those podcast episodes, it took off. It took off. It was crazy. And I would not have been able to write that book when I first started my business. There's no way I would have been able to write it. It it took, at the point that I wrote the book, I had been in business for 13 years. And even now I want to go back and and do a revised edition of the book because ever since COVID, so it's coming up on four years since the book was first published. And there's so much more that I've learned now that I want to include in the book. And so, (laughs) because now I've been in business for 16 years going on 17. So there's, there's even more information that I want to share. And I'm so excited to see what will happen once our online course is actually made available, which we're hoping we are aiming for August of this year, August of 2022. Let's see what happens. Well, you know what? Let's see what happens. Yes, definitely going to have most of have to get you back on uh, like August 2020. Please do. Please do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And so I have to ask, like, yes, this is, like sadly going to be one of my last few questions. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, I have to ask, like, where do you see the future of your journey going? Glad you asked that. No, no one hardly ever asked me that question. I actually want to sell. You want I to want sell? to sell. I want to sell my business. So we're working on the online course. What will come after that will be a software. Mm -hmm. And then once that software is in place, my plan is to exit and and take this baby that I've nurtured since it was born and is maybe I would say is now a teenager. But once it's ready to become a full legal adult, that's when it's time to hand it off to someone else who can really help take it to that next level. Ah, so, okay. Now the question, what comes to mind is if you sell, what will you like, do you have any idea what you would be doing? Oh, uh, yes. Uh-oh. Yes. Oh, oh, oh she says <laughs> confidence. Uh, <laughs> come on. Yes. And this is going to sound so crazy, but I'm going to put myself out there. Oh. Um, I, I have, I have psychic abilities and I want to tap into those more. And how I told you it was going to be, it was going to catch you off guard. I'm I did warn you right now. Just like, okay. <laughs> Um, But I want to be able to use that to help solve crime. Um, I watch a lot of forensics shows and I want to get into that industry. I don't want to be a crime scene investigator, but I do want to tap into some skills that I have to help solve crime. Um, Whether it's murder or, or white collar crime, like with Elizabeth Holmes, uh, homes. Um, but that is something I would like to seriously pursue. Mm-hmm. And I bet you would not have guessed that in a million years. Uh, <laughs> uh, what can I say from consultant to bone? <laughs> I, 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 I can just say, I, oh, 
Oh, wait. <laughs> I need to go to ABC. I've got a show right here. <laughs> I know they've done murderers in the building. Yes. Podcaster in the UK. Yeah. Business, like, business consultant. Yeah, podcaster in America. And hey, I'll, I'll solve the crime of Jack the Ripper even. You know, that's... Uh... Good luck with that. <laughs> if you do, don't, don't mention that to the royal family. You will be in trouble. <laughs> like bit psychic okay and solving crimes like what brought on this crime fighting passion for you i have to ask i have to ask so it i think it started with my my paternal grandmother was murdered back in the year 2000 and i was I was really amazed by how quickly her murder, the, the, the mystery of who did this, I was amazed at how quickly they were able to figure it out. Mm. And ever since then, it kind of awakened this curiosity. Number one, what makes people do the things that they do? What makes a person, what drives a person to the point of murder? So that's, that's, that intrigues me, the psychological aspect. And then the, the other piece of it is just being investigative in nature. I've always been investigative, even with the process or the process work that I do, that requires a lot of research and, and asking questions and digging through the details. So to me, it's just, it's really a natural extension of the things I've been doing for so long because it's still very much about asking questions, doing research, but but tapping into that intuitive, like your third eye yeah. and, and really kind of marrying the two in order to help solve crime or crimes. So, um, so that's what first kind of awakened this curiosity in me um, was was my grandmother's death. Sorry about the grandmother, like, yeah, be mad. My apologies. Right? Thank you, I, I, thank you. But yes, I've got to say, ah, fascinating, fascinating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know what, yeah. Oh, when I get you back onto this podcast, come on, that's, yeah, maybe <laughs> like, maybe sooner than that, yeah. No, I'm gonna read no, your thoughts. No, 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 no. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do that. But, but there, but yes. Again, we would have to have a, a completely different conversation, and I could share all kinds of stories with you. Uh, in fact, yes, we will have to discuss that on another occasion. <laughs> yes, I have like, podcast going off into a complete different tangent, but no. Nah. <laughs> Love it, love it. Uh, now, I have like this is the very last, absolute last question. What was the last thing you were grateful for? Being alive, because I have surgery next Thursday, a major surgery. Um, so I am, I am just so grateful to be alive. I'm grateful that the doctors were able to figure out what, why I've been in chronic pain for the past four years. I'm just grateful to be alive, truly. And, and the fact that, that 
they were, we were able to figure out what's, what's been causing my pain. That's what I'm grateful for. Ah, sensational. Uh, I'm grateful for you being alive. And look, I, you have my wholehearted luck uh, for, yeah, next Thursday. Oh, uh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate it. No worries. No worries at all. Uh, yes, milady. Can you tell the lovely people out there how they can find you out on these interwebs? Well, the best place is to go to my personal website because it serves as a hub for everything that I do. So you would have access to all of my social media handles, as well as you can find out more information about my book, my podcast, as well as my company. And that website is aliciabutlerpierre.com. And that's A-L-I-C-I-A. Okay. Like okay. Yes, don't worry. I will be putting all of the information <laughs> into the show notes, into the description, so you can find Alicia, like, or she might find you with her third eye. That's right. Yes. Yeah, someone uh, like someone into the like, yeah, Stop it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So please, yes. Alicia is like my links. Yeah. Uh, she, you, Alicia, have been a joy, a pleasure to have on the podcast. Oh, today. thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Appreciate you. And yes, I appreciate you, my friends, my life warriors, for sticking with us up until the end of the show. Thank you very much. Let me just say, stay safe, stay well, be awesome, be excellent, be fantastic. Be all the positive bees you can be in this world and then some. Have a great day, guys. Yes. Peace. Ah, and we are.